Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier for the new season. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Very good, mate. How are you? How was the holiday? It was very nice. Little tour around England, went to Latitude Festival, uh, realised that we are too old for festivals and came back a day early, which was lovely. Uh, Apologies in advance if there's lots of drilling and banging in the background, by the way leave it uh we're having a a new kitchen fitted uh in the room below me uh and there's nowhere in the house that can avoid it uh it seems all right at the moment but if if it does start up that's what it is uh you're just gonna have to live with it i'm afraid because i am (laughs) um but we've got huddersfield town to talk about dave you in my absence were covering the the pre-season friendlies a lot to to take away from them even if we're not sort of judging on performance and results yeah, um, I I think there's been some fairly uh, wild reactions in the comment sections to pre-season football, which are, <laughs> after all, extended training sessions in front of a few fans. Um, I think I want to make the caveat before I say anything that, and, and I said it in an article, there's an article in the Examiner that I went up on Sunday morning that is a look back over pre-season and a bit of detailed analysis, and I would point people towards there, but I would also say that Jan Sieva won four and drew two of his pre-season games and we know how that turned out you know Carlos took a very strong side to Fleetwood and lost 2-1 10 days before the season started last year pre-season is just an island (laughs) it's it's but what it has been interesting is to see how Danny Schofield's setting his side up how Mm. is what his formation looks like how he wants them to play um, I've spent some time with Danny after both games and, and had a chat and just to, to sort of get a feeling for how he feels about the role and, and how he's adapting. And um, yeah, it's it's results-wise, it hasn't been brilliant, but there's been, there's been moments that sort of show you the future ahead. Yeah, so we've got a new shape and I think it's, or rather two new shapes, and I think it's it's been pretty clear, hasn't it, Dave, that they're looking at sort of, Four two three one, come four four two, come four four one one, sort of variations on a theme there, isn't it? Yeah, I think the default is a in possession. I think the it's closer to a four one four one. Okay, with Hog sitting in front of the defence and Wardy up front on his own. The minute they're out of possession, it goes into a four four two with Dwayne Holmes coming to press alongside Wardy. One of the one of the key things about however they're playing in or out of possession is they are definitely trying to support Ward more. They are definitely trying to get more bodies in the box. We said it last season, but Carlos Corbran's football was about control and it was about creating certain types of chances. Whereas I think Schofield's is just to try and create chances, try and create a little chaos in the box, get bodies in there who can profit off possession in the final third. Um, and I think that's a that's a, a key thing going forward. It does look because of the way because of the way the transition happens. It does look like a four two three one. Okay, and I think that's probably just in terms of how to lay the squad out. Weirdly, even though they're not sort of playing that way, that's sort of the easiest way to kind of lay it out because it, it you. <laughs> I think the hybrid system goes all the way back to Danny Cowley. Danny Cowley used to play one system in and out. Carlos Corbran played 
two systems, you know, one in in possession, one out in possession. Sometimes even played three because he liked his players to move when, depending where the ball was on the pitch. It's quite good to see Danny Schofield continue to give them that sort of mental workload. So, but yeah, I would expect people who don't watch Huddersfield Town a lot are going to come and say it looks like a 4-3-3 maybe, but it's it's not, it's... It's another Huddersfield Town system that is sort of quite difficult to pigeonhole, really. Yeah, and I think it makes sense with the personnel that they've they've yeah. brought in. So, since we last recorded, we we last recorded just after Carlos had had left the club, and before Harry Toffolo or Lewis O'Brien had left. At the time, Jack Ridoni was yet to come in. Tino Andrin hadn't come in yet. We had just had the signings of Kasumu and Mahoney. Uh, we hadn't had Nakayama yet either. So there's been a few ins and outs since we last recorded. But I think with with Rudoni and, and Andrin in particular in that squad, it makes total sense to have a player playing as a as a kind of a number 10, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And as I said, when you see the system, it is difficult to define because things happen very, very quickly. Like, the re- you have a bank of four at the back, so the one thing that is definable is a bank is a back four. But then the midfield and the attack is actually quite fluid. And it, it as I said, there is a real focus on getting players closer to Danny Ward. Danny Ward had a phenomenal season last season, and he got... 14 goals from 78 shots and his his goals per shot ratio was I think 0.18 Alexander Mitrovic's was 0.19 he got uh, 43 from nearly 200 and Danny Ward's goals per shots was ahead of Ben Brereton Diaz and ahead of Dominic Solanke so there is definitely uh, you know a whole lot of reasons to platform Danny Ward more than they have been doing and ultimately Last season was a massive success. And yet still, how many times did we see Danny Ward as the only person in the box, Steve, you know, in mm. in in certain situations? And on top of that, how many times did they say we say they sort of failed to create a little bit of chaos and a little bit of uncertainty? I think Danny Scoville is sort of quite aware of that. And I think getting bodies into that final third is going to be something that you're you're going to see a hell of a lot more of than you have over the last two years. And uh, that's another reason I think having a number 10 in there makes sense because, mm. you, you know, you mentioned how good Ward was last year and he was, but, you know, we said several times that he was like having two players on the ball. If Lewis O'Brien was like having two players off it, Ward was like having two players on it. And, you know, you mentioned his strike rate there. It's it's almost when you've got Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes, whose finishing rate is is not far off Danny Ward over the past few years, despite the fact that he's you know he's he's not got a huge amount of goals because he's been playing as a sub an awful lot of the time for both both Town and Sheffield Wednesday. So you got two players there who are sort of specialist finishers, but under Carlos Gorbrand, they were asked to do sort of this complete forward role where they were doing bits dropping into into midfield and playing a lot with back to goal etc with a number 10 in there you would expect that they would be doing a bit less of that they'll still be doing it but the impetus to sort of bridge make that bridge between the front line and the midfield is sort of taken off their shoulders a little bit which hopefully allows them to concentrate on doing what each of them does best which is sticking the ball in the back of the net mm, yeah i you're going to see a two up top a lot 
and it the thing is when I say that people immediately think four four two two strikers it's not going to be like that it's going to be Josh Garoma coming in from the left and making a two reward or it's going to be Dwayne Holmes or probably Jack Radona I say it would say would be the one I'd look at will be pushing up to make that two a hell of a lot um, and I think I go back to that Blackburn game Steve last season when they pushed Lewis O'Brien up to get close to Danny Ward and give him some support the 3-2 and what a difference it made in 90 minutes and and yeah you know football is there are lots of aspects to being successful at football Town's success last season sort of blew a few of the rules apart really they've got a I think they're trying to be a little bit more conventional um, in the way they're attacking and yeah I don't think that's a bad thing if I'm honest I don't think that's a bad thing at all and we'll talk about those other new signings as well we've got Yuta Nakayama has come into the side Japanese international he's a left footed defender you can play Mm. centre back you can play left back and I think there was, he came in before Harry Toffolo left, but I think there was definitely a bit of uh, future proof in there with that signing, wasn't there? Yeah, um, he's he plays left back for Japan. Um, he has played as a central defender a hell of a lot. He has played left on a three, so he gives him a hell of a lot of options. He's also uh, came to Doncaster, sat with the fans. Um, lots of people got there, got autographs and got their photo taken with him, which was great. Um, he, I, I spoke to the club about him at the weekend at the Bolton game, and he's just a great character. Just a, you know, settled straight in. Lads in the dressing room love him. He couldn't play at Bolton because FIFA hadn't sent through his international clearance in time. I'm told that's not going to be a problem for Friday. It was, I believe they knew it was, they knew it was coming. They just decided not to risk him uh, against Bolton in case they got themselves in trouble. But he was there again milling around behind the scenes um yeah just a just a really good character i have i have a sort of gut feeling he's got all the makings of a bit of a cult hero potentially from the off and his stats to be fair to him at fc's voller mm. in the netherlands were very good i think there's a bit of a feeling that in a similar way to how uh Bundesliga was seen as being quite a similar standard to the championship i think more and more clubs sort of cottoning on to the fact that the Dutch Eredivisie, unless you're sort of Ajax or PSV, is a similar standard to to the Championship, and you know I think it should translate quite quite well. But I mean aerially, he's only five eleven, but his aerial stats are excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's tidy enough on the ball. You know he's he, he can as you say he can play left back as well. Likes to get forward, so he's takes, a, that, a really, takes free kicks as well. Yes, takes direct free kicks, which mm. is something that Town didn't really have in the squad last season. So he's a, a very interesting player, and I think a, a good addition to that back line. Um, there's a bit of a there was a bit of an injury worry at the weekend, wasn't there, with Matty Pearson limping mm. off early on at Donny. Um, hopefully that's not too bad but we'll we'll have to find out we'll see if we can get an update from yeah from we Danny have, Schofield in the presser um yeah i it, i would exercise a little bit of caution there we have no update from the club but it didn't look great it didn't look don't get me wrong it didn't look like season ending or anything like that but he took his boot off straight away uh walked over to the sidelines went to put it back on and was was wincing which suggests it something swelled up pretty much straight away so 
I I would almost be at the point of definitely ruling him out for Friday at this point. We'll see what the update as to whether it's a couple of games or a couple of months. No idea, but it didn't look great. And we touched on David Kasumi last time we recorded a podcast, but you know we we sort of said then he looked every inch like Lewis O'Brien's replacement. You know, if, if you were to go out and look for who is the player who most closely matches Lewis O'Brien's stats, you would come up with David Kasumi, I think. So. I think he he's going to effectively be that Lewis O'Brien replacement. I'll be interested to see how that midfield comes together because if it is a a sort of a two in midfield, whether that is behind a number ten or behind a front two or somewhere in between, you know you've got Hogg, Russell, and Kasumu all to to fit in to say nothing of Dwayne Holmes, Brahima Diara, Scott High, and Etienne Kamara. Well, uh, this is it. I think we, we're going to go through the squad in a minute, aren't we? But one of the reasons that they've had the they've split the squads over the two games, I saw some people saying, "Oh, well, it's obvious what the first team is going to be." It's it, like Radoni and Casona. I've played in the in horrible air quotes B team. I I spoke to the club, and it is literally just trying to get the people who need minutes to have minutes it's not you know you can't read in a first 11 from from either really so I expect the thing is in the sort of stronger games we haven't seen the new signings at all in either of them so it'll be Mm. quite interesting to see how they're integrated in and how they fit in I I think what you won't see is four new faces come into the first 11 all at once I think you're going to see them given some time off the bench first. And what I would say, as I said, we're going to go through the squad in a minute, but it was quite obvious that there were one or two players who who are already at the club who are definitely aware there's competition now. Definitely aware. No, never a bad thing, is it? No. And and Jack Rodoni has come in as well. He's a player I really liked when I did the scout report on him. I thought he looked exactly like the kind of player Town needed in that he, he loves getting into the box. He's got that... Frank Lampard-esque uh, timing of his run into the box. If you go and watch sort of his highlights reel from from Wimbledon last season, they're all tap-ins because he just gets himself into such good positions, good at finding space, good at timing his, his runs late into the box and he gets assists as well. Obviously, it's a step up from, from League One for him as it as it is for Kasumu, but I think Rudoni is a, an interesting player to watch and and a shrewd, a shrewd pick-up for Dusseld Town. Yeah, uh, I agree with all of that. I think he's um, certainly he's a player you'd sort of describe as having all the tools, really. And like you said, it is it is a step up. So I don't expect he's going to go in and play ninety minutes the first five games of the season. I think you'll see you see him bought in carefully. Um, but yeah, you know, and reports from the training ground are good as well that he can he can really play. Um, so I think that's. That's another great pickup, really, and that midfield now, as we'll come on to, is stacked, really stacked. And I think if you'd asked Huddersfield Town fans which of last season's low knees would you like to have back, mm. I think a lot of them would have said Tino Andrian. I am, I don't know about you, I'm incredibly excited to see a fully fit Tino Andrian playing in a Huddersfield Town side. Yeah, he he arrived last week. He didn't feature at the weekend because he played for Chelsea on the Wednesday, flew transatlantic on the Thursday, signed for town on the Friday morning, uh, and by Saturday had had about six hours sleep in three days. <laughs> so he needed some rest. I would. He is one I would expect to be in the first team picture very soon, very quickly. Yeah, and yeah. he went to uh, he he went back to Chelsea 
came in for their pre-season and apparently was very high on all their physical metrics that they measure etc has clearly been looking after himself after after having you know an injury hit time at town but also weirdly he's a sort of beneficiary of of Carlos Corbera not being there because he he fits in a different system much better and I think Danny Schofield is going to play in a different way so suddenly not only have you got Tino Andrew in back but you sort of think okay well he could play maybe wide on the left wide on the right he could play as a 10 he could play as a second striker you can suddenly see lots of ways he could be used so I'm with you it's 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 exciting prospect to see him in full flight really yeah I mean I got the vibe from speaking to people at the club that before they signed Tino on loan that they might have been looking for a player who could play across the front three so a player who can play left right or at centre forward I do wonder whether those plans may have changed uh, in light of the fact that they've got Tino in because I think probably the centre forward bit you know he's not an out and out number nine if he does play there you would expect it would probably be as a second striker he would terrify championship defenders don't get me wrong but You know, I do wonder to a certain extent if they've looked at it and gone, do you know what, I fully fit Tino Andrew and he's so good that it's worth <laughs> it's worth going for and, you know, maybe he doesn't tick that box at number nine that we ideally would have wanted. But he's a very, very talented player and it's it's worth giving up that tick box. He's, uh, did you know he spent some time playing for Chelsea this pre-season, playing through the middle? Interesting. He's, he's, he's played as a... a Ten and he's played as an eight for Chelsea in pre-season at various times. So I think again, a little bit like you to really his flexibility just gives you so many options because I think he's got a, quali- a level of quality that you know he's always going to be able to bring something to wherever you play him. Really, so again, massive flexibility front and back. <laughs> and uh... leave it. <laughs> Um, we have obviously had those departures as well. We talked a lot about both players, both in our post-season review and and after Carlos went. I think we expected Lewis O'Brien to go this summer, you know, 99% certainty. It's a shame they couldn't get it worked out with Harry Toffolo, but I believe the fee is, you know, that the number that's out there that was doing the rounds was 10 million. I, I believe it, it is likely to be higher than that. Uh, when all is said and done so you know we'll, we'll we'll see it in the accounts I suppose but I think that, that that number might have been underplayed a little bit which would be frustrating to town fans but there we go but how big a loss do you feel like those two are in light of the new signings that have been brought in right we may as well give people a small <laughs> peek behind the curtain we we knew literally the day after the playoff final we both knew that a harry toffolo was was potentially going and b it was nottingham forest who were interested we won't go into how but we both knew that and so we've had a lot a long time to think about it before he's actually gone and like you say i think they future-proofed um with the signings but also we did spend last summer saying well they've bought josh ruffles because eventually when harry toffolo goes josh ruffles looks the perfect model of player to (laughs) to come in and take over Mm -hmm. from harry toffolo so you we can't just throw all that to one side and say oh it's a huge loss i think there are areas where toffolo is a loss but i don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think they're all on the pitch. I think on the pitch, yeah, he's agreed. actually quite replaceable. I think 
he, not to say he, he's not good. He's been no, excellent. No, he's but. really good. He finished the season incredibly strongly and he brings you a hell of a lot to the team. But I think there are aspects of his game which are quite replaceable. And I think if you look at the personnel they've got there now, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I, not saying it's not a loss because it's Harry Toffolo and he's been a huge part of this football club for really since, his, since the day he came in. But I think just purely in terms of Harry Toffolo, the footballer, I think you can you can replace him. Lewis O'Brien is a bit different. Lewis O'Brien is a bit different because, like you've already mentioned it, Steve, it, it was like having two players there in midfield for town. And David Kasumu is, you know, like you say, the modelling looks really good on him, but there's no doubt they are going to miss O'Brien's ball carrying. That's one thing that's sort of been noticeable in pre-season, that player who's got the ability when town are slightly under the cosh to just get on the ball and just carry it at 30 yards and sometimes yeah. you know that they, they win that foul they win that free kick or they just literally put the pressure back on the opposing side um yeah it's difficult to it's difficult to just replace that so i think they're not going to replace it i think they're just going to play a different way that's yeah. that's the thing yeah i i think on toffolo Again, it's something where the change of shape probably helps things out because you're probably expecting in this shape the def- the, the back four to be more of a mm, traditional fullbacks. style back four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, traditional fullbacks rather than sort of your modern fullbacks um, because you know you 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 lose in that that holding player that number six defensive midfielder the role that Jonathan Hogg has been playing for the last however many years you know that that role changes to uh what's called a double pivot which is the two number eights behind a number 10 um so yeah it's um it's and, and the number 10 by the way being an attacking midfielder we never did our terminology podcast so I'm just explaining these as we go but you know number 10 being the um Yurizzi Brown <laughs> type mm. player for a, for a town uh, examples which will be Rodoni possibly Andrin could be Dwayne Holmes has played there mm. pre-season Prima Diara has played there pre-season they've got options but it, it means that the impetus for the defending probably does fall a bit more on the back four which I think probably suits Ruffles and suits the, the players that they've they've recruited not to say Ruffles isn't good going forward I think his crossing stats in particular um, were really impressive for Oxford. Um, it created an awful lot of chances from not a huge number of, of crosses in relative terms. And we'll have to see with Nakayama. It's it's hard to say with Nakayama at left-back, I think, because the data we have, as you mentioned, he's played at centre-back a lot at club level. So that's where all the data is from the past couple of seasons. So it's it's hard for me to dredge up the data from him playing as, as a left-back. But uh, I think usually when you see a player who can play either role, they tend to be a bit more defensively minded than than attack minded. So mm. we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I think you know there's no question that both of them are big losses. But I think that in terms of numbers and in terms of the the players they've actually signed as replacements, I think on paper it it does look good. You know, as good as you could as you could have realistically expected. I think. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I I think the um, it it's just the O'Brien hole. That's the, that's the problem. You just can't mm. replace one of the best midfielders in the championship just like that. And the thing, the interesting thing about Lewis O'Brien is there's nobody else in the championship quite like him. There's nobody. It's not like you could just go and pluck a midfielder from Bristol City who does the same role. So, yeah, it, I think in terms of of the defending, you're exactly right. 
and yeah the only way they can do is to set the midfield up differently which is is what they're doing but I do have high hopes for Kasuma but yeah you know like is he going to finish this season with like Lewis O'Brien-esque stats no probably not because he's got to make the step up he's got to adjust we know that players need a little bit of time to adjust to the physicality that Huddersfield Town want and their Mm. fitness team want so so yeah but I, I think it's worth saying though that Town have lost uh, they've lost something off the pitch with with mm, Lewis and Toffolo in particular. Harry Toffolo was really good with a lot of fans, supported a lot of causes, spoke to a lot of people, was always very um affable and, and available, available to do that. Yeah. And that that is you know, that is loss. That is definitely a loss. And Hoggy, for all his his good qualities, and we all love him, you know, he's not a he, <laughs> he's not up for media duties whenever they're presented to him, shall we say? So, it was nice to have a Harry Toffolo who was sort of almost by default did come become a little bit the sort of public face on Twitter and and what have you of of certain things. So yeah, you that is a loss, and and that isn't you know you can't just replace that easily. And it's also worth saying Lewis O'Brien was just a model professional footballer, wasn't he? You know, yeah, just an absolute model pro. So. I believe both of them, right to the end as well, were yeah. really, really professional with even with their exits. Um, so credit to both of them, and, and better luck to them. Really, I know a lot of yeah. fans would prefer they hadn't gone to Forest, but um, you know it is what it is. I, I don't think you can begrudge. Personally, I can't begrudge either of them um, taking those that move when it came along. So, yeah, best luck to them. I mean, we ran through the squad a few weeks ago before those new signings. I think it's worth doing again, probably a bit quicker than we did last time because we took over an hour on it last time. We're all right in goal. I think we're all right there. (laughs) Um, They could probably do with a backup, uh, ideally. But, you know, um, I think we've Ryan Schofield, Nick Belokopich, Jacob Chapman, they're, you know, they're happy. They'd probably be happy enough. But um, right back, Turton and Spencer. um, Yeah, Ollie Turton has looked so much more comfortable just as a fullback. And he looks more... Weirdly, he looks more comfortable when he is actually going up into attacking positions as well. I think it's just the way they're playing that side. It really works to have Turton there. And Sorba could only play 45 minutes against Doncaster. Played longer uh, against Bolton. But Turton sort of being... Having a quite a limited brief just gives Sorba... He, he only has to look forward. And that's vital, really. And Brody Spencer, of course, is a, a real emerging player, real talent coming through the from the academy. Only eighteen. We talked about him a lot. So uh, I, I think the club are, are quite confident with those options at right back, right sided centre back. We mentioned Pearson. Hopefully, not a serious injury, but we'll need to find out. But Tom Lees and Ramani Edmund Screen uh, are two really good options, particularly you know Tom Lees uh, and Ramani had an excellent season in League One with. With, Roch, uh, with Rotherham last season, um, if Pearson is injured, I think it's a, an opportunity for Rahmani perhaps to get on the bench and try and get some minutes and try and try and uh, impress in the championship. Left-sided centre-back, you've got Nakayama and Boyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about Nakayama's qualities. I think Boyle... I mean, I, th- I think it's hard to say at the moment, isn't it, whether Nakayama's going to play left-back or left-sided centre-back. And you do wonder whether Pearson's injury might have... You know, if it is if it is going to keep him out, whether that might change the plans a bit. But I feel like either way, I think Boyle is probably a bench player, isn't he? Feels like. Yeah, I 
I think that back four on Friday will be Turton, Lees, Nakayama and uh, Ruffles, if I'm honest. Yeah, I've, I've actually been writing down the first 11 as we go and that's exactly what I've got. We haven't even had to consult lovely mm. stuff. Gets more difficult in midfield though, doesn't it? So the central yeah. midfielders they've got, the more um, box-to-box or deep-lying central midfielders options they've got, these are all players that can play either at number six, which is your defensive midfield, or at... Or at number eight, which is uh, you know more of a box-to-box role, you've got Jonathan Hogg, John Russell, David Kasumu, Scott High, Etienne Kamara, and you could probably throw Dwayne Holmes and Brahima Diara in there as well. Mm. Uh, possibly even Tino Andrin. It's a lot, a lot of players there. Who, who are you expecting to see in that sort of that midfield too? Um, Dwayne Holmes has been playing his socks off in pre-season. I think it's it's. I think he knows the competition is there. I think he's been loving being moved back into a central midfield central position, role, which is been, always preferred. Yeah, which so he's definitely trying to make a point there. So, I think after the pre-season he's had, I think he's got to be fairly high up in the thoughts. Um, he was. He really on Bolt against Bolton. He got booked first half. I think it's probably one of the only bookings I've ever seen in a pre-season friendly. <laughs> um, and he was playing it like he mattered. And I think he was trying a little bit too hard against Bolton. But the the week before against Doncaster, he was the best player on the pitch by far. I think they like Hog on the pitch. Um, I think because yeah. of this sort of four-one-four-one, I think they like to have. Hoggy there in that role purely because he just gives that option of dropping in and creating a three um, yeah. you know they can change the shape so easily he had to come in and drop into the back four on Saturday and hogging a back four I must admit I don't like but in a three yeah I think he's absolutely fine so I think Hogg and Holmes at the moment are probably a lock for Friday but who knows would you have Holmes in the number eight role, or would you play him at ten? No, I'd have him as a. I'd have him. I'd have him as an eight. But I think what you're going to see, like I say, is that he's not quite a ten. But certainly out of possession, he immediately goes alongside Ward into the press. Like the first against Bolton, the first half Towns press was excellent, really, really good. Dropped off second half for for various reasons. I think there was some. There's some tired legs after a week at St George's, and you know they they got through a hell of a lot of work down there. Um, but yeah, the first half of their press was excellent, and and Holmes pushing that high there. It's not it's not a ten. It's not what I'd describe as a ten because, as I said, weirdly you play higher out of possession than you do in. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be in that eight role with with. I, I'd be staggered if it wasn't essentially a four-one-four-one with a little triangle of Hogg, Holmes, and Russell. Um, I think Russell gives them a lot on set pieces, and he's played both pre-season games, and he's played the full. He played the full ninety minutes on Saturday, and he just had a a John Russell of a game. <laughs> right. So you have got Russell at eight, and you're playing. I'm going to call it a ten. You're playing Holmes as your ten. Yeah. Yeah. And the other options there, you've got. Jack Rodoni, yep. Tino Andrin can play there. Brahima uh, Diara can play there. You, you sticking with Holmes in light of that? Yeah, I th- I think Rodoni will f- his first minutes will come off the bench. Um, so I I think we're talking about the right now, and I think it's Holmes's place. And Rodoni hopefully come on, you know, start with start with twenty minutes and then build up from there. 
I think there's really, really good competition for that place now. Um, I don't think you're going to see Dwayne Holmes played wide left ever again. There you go. Um, we've got on the right wing, I think it's pretty clearly Sorba Thomas, isn't it? This mm. is one of those positions where, along with Lee Nichols, there you can, and Tom Lee's, where you can pretty much say that's nailed on if he's fit, he's yeah. starting, isn't he? Yeah. So. Uh, the the way they've played pre-season as well, he's been far more of a winger, you know, a, a, an out-and-out chalk-on-the-boots winger because yeah. they've had Karoma coming inside so much. And I quite like that. I quite like yeah, Sorba doing that role. Him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat Jones, Aaron Rowe, also options there. I mean, they've got so many wingers. Mm. Left wing, Tino Andrian, Josh Karoma, Conor Mahoney, Rolando Aarons potentially as well. So, yeah, I, mean, what they, a... I, I think it's worth just a word on what they're doing on the left. They've played Karoma there, but Karoma has tucked in a hell of a lot. You know, he's not a winger. He's an inverted winger. So then Ruffles has to do a little bit more attacking-wise, but you tend to find one of the midfielders drifts out to that side as well just to sort of double up and give a bit of cover. Uh, Karoma's uh, he's trying too hard Steve <laughs> it's imp- yeah. like against Bolton he looked better but he's just so you know that player who just desperately needs a goal to go in off someone's ass. <laughs> just uh, any way would, would just give him the confidence and the platform to kick on he's just trying too hard so uh, hand on heart I wouldn't be surprised if Tino started there if it, if yeah. he's fit enough after you know if he's had enough rest, I wouldn't be surprised if Tino was over there on the left. And up front, Danny Ward, Jordan Rhodes, Kieran Phillips. Interesting options. I think Ward and Rhodes. There's not a huge amount to separate them, as you said. There's you probably use certain, you know one or the other depending on the situation, mm-hmm. depending on the opposition. Phillips is not a player who was particularly in my thoughts coming into this pre-season to be honest um he wasn't exactly pulling up trees in league two last year it was great experience for him what he really needed after his injury history as a teenager for those of you don't know you know he he had really really serious injuries missed two years of his development um at everton uh at a time when he was you know really starting to emerge as one of their star players was absolutely banging in goals and then had those those horrific injuries and uh and he's you know as as lost out on a lot of time on the pitch as a result of that. So I think last season was just about him getting minutes in League Two. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether he's a championship standard player, but you've been quite impressed with his work rate and his his liveliness. Yeah, yeah. so he, he looked, he had a couple of good chances first half, looks a lot stronger, looks a lot better for the loans. Um, had a good header, good touch that took him into space, good shot, but Santos came around on the cover and, and did very well when the keeper was beaten. But then he faded for 40 minutes. And I th- I think last season he was at Walsall and they had to move him because he was being played out in position wide and that meant actually meant defenders booming, you know, 45, 50-yard balls at him that he was trying to control out of the air and then do something with. So he went to Exeter then. Did okay by all accounts, and obviously mm-hmm. experienced a promotion there. They actually I'm, played him up front as well, which was helpful. Yeah, I'm not hand on heart honest. I'm not sure he is ready to be your championship number three striker. But mm. the problem is, at some point, you've got to have a look, and you've got to you've got to make a decision. And I do feel like we kind of we kind of there. I think it's worth talking about the job of recruiting a striker, isn't it, Steve? Mm-hmm. It's a really tough brief, the role that Town are recruiting for, because they've got two 
good championship strikers in Borden Rhodes. So you need someone who can come in and and sort of challenge them, but who isn't necessarily expecting to start. And as you pointed out in your you know your takeaways from pre-season, you know they tried that with Mipo Debeko last year and it didn't work at all. And I think that is a very difficult profile of player to recruit for because you want someone who is talented and on the way up but Mm. anyone who is talented and on the way up and who would get fans excited I think more importantly you know they're going to get chances to start at at other clubs so it's a really tough sell personally given how bloated those wings look I'm not convinced they totally convinced they need it I think you could quite happily shift say to Josh Gromer right you are our second choice left winger and third choice striker he probably wouldn't like that but I think you know I think you could certainly do a lot worse than having Josh Gromer playing as a as a number nine and then you've still got Andrew Mahoney Jones Thomas Rowe Aarons as as options on the wing you know they're really not short on wing options I don't necessarily you know love all of those options as starters yeah I I kind of agree with you there I think how I put it in the article is I think the striker would be nice to have but I don't think it's necessarily essential I know there's a lot of fans listening to this who are going to completely agree with it I had one or two responses saying um, the club needs a 20 goal a season striker and the thing is A they're not easy to find B you still have to score I mean to go up every every team that goes up needs to score sort of 75 plus goals so you've still got to find 55 from somewhere and I've just, you know, you've got Danny Ward there who could be a 20 goal a season striker if he was platformed in the same way that, you know, people who were a 20 goal a season striker last season were. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a nice to have. And I think they are probably looking to, to see what they can get done. It may be something potentially another loan again. I don't know. But yeah, when you get somebody in, it's like, okay, <laughs> now where do they play? But. The flip side to that is five subs, isn't it? Which makes a big difference because it does automatically give you a little bit more wiggle room to try and get some players' time on the pitch. But then you look at <laughs> the new play- the new players they want to sort of bed in and various others. It's just, a, like you say, it's just a very difficult recruitment brief, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't be a summer transfer window if town fans weren't clamouring for, weren't clamouring for a new centre-forward because we seem to get it every year and... <laughs> I find it a bit strange this time because I think the fans generally really like Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes. So, I don't know. I'm I'm not entirely sure where it comes from. I, I think it's probably just the feeling that, well, they've they've just made, you know, a, a, an eight-figure sum on O'Brien and, Tof- and, and Toffolo, so let's go and spend 10 million on a striker. But the, it just isn't, isn't going to happen. Um and and I do like those those two options as first choices, and I agree with you. I think that if you concentrate more on, and I thought, as I say, I think what Danny Ward did with his back to goal and his link up play last year was phenomenal. Mm. But I think if you concentrate more on getting him to put the ball in the net, then you should see more goals out of him, mm. uh, and Jordan Rhodes as well. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm torn on this. I, I think I think if if they were to get someone in, it would have to be you know a, a player who has perhaps not gotten a chance in the Premier League uh, who is sort of 21, 22, 23 years old and is potentially going to be Premier League standard but hasn't got the opportunity and needs to take the step down to then take the step back up. I think that might be the profile. But, you know, Sims from Everton has been linked. I think 
there's probably not a huge amount in that one, is there? I just don't think you're going to go and spend upwards of half a million pounds for your third choice striker. I, I just can't see it realistically. Um, and if they did spend upwards of half a million pounds, then I think that immediately reshapes the profile of those striking options and you have to give them a go, you have to give them a role. And like squad harmony is a thing <laughs> and squad balance is a thing and it took town a hell of a long way last season. The one thing we heard continually from people at the club and from different people in unrelated conversations to each other was you know how together everybody was at the club how good the the harmony was how good this squad were at sort of uh, you know integrating together hanging out together they really enjoyed spending time with each other so i i think you've got to you know you can't just keep buying players and putting them in can you you can't just not everything goes in a carrier bag does it i think the other thing that was important last season was that um when players were not in the side, they were still working their socks off. It's something that Carlos Corbrand commented on several times, like Josh Ruffles and Ollie Turton. So, um, but as the squad gets bigger and more bloated, and you're trying to integrate more players, you know, we've we've been through. We've, we've said there's there's two players. For, I've got a board here with all the players on in the position. And Town's ethos is they want to have two players for every position. And on this board, I've got three centre-forwards. I've got seven wingers. I've got three number 10s. I've got uh, five number eights. I've got three right-sided centre-backs. And, you know, you just think that at this point, maybe they need to actually get a couple of players out. And I think there's some obvious candidates there. You and I started talking before we turned the mics on. And I think when you look at it, you think Rolando Aaron's Aaron Rowe, maybe Scott High, um, or, or Etienne Kamara, or Brahina Diara, sort of one or two of those three. Perhaps even Romani again, depending on what the news is on Pearson, um, are all candidates for that. Phillips as well. So... There's a few players there that that probably could do with going out, even if it's just on loan, before they bring anyone new in at this point. Yeah, um, I think the nicest thing I can say is me and you are are much bigger fans of Scott High than some in the crowd were. And I think maybe a season away from from town actually wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. I just think think with him, if they hadn't signed Kasuma, I'd be saying he might be worth having a look at as, you know, a slightly different player, but... Can he do that? You know, can he get more minutes? But I think we've talked about how many options they have in midfield. And it's, you know, at this stage of his career, I think he needs to be playing 30 plus games a season. And I just Mm. can't see him getting that at town as it stands. The one for me is Aaron Rowe, who I'm like a massive fan of. I really like Aaron Rowe. And people forget he was the sort of shining light coming out of that truly rotten first season under Carlos Corbran. But it's just very difficult to see where he fits in. I don't think he's I don't think he's a right back. I don't think Town are going to play with wing backs that much this season. I think it is. They've played a back four throughout pre-season, uh, and I think, as I said to you, Steve, it would be it would be weirder now to go and line up against Burnley in a three, uh, having played a four all pre-season. So. I don't think they're going to play with wing back, so I don't. He's not getting in in front of Sorba Thomas there either. I don't think he's 
got a natural role in that squad right now, and so which is is a shame. Particularly because they have such high hopes of Pat Jones and want to get him minutes. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a real marker of the like level in the squad at the moment that a player like Aaron Rowe is probably having to look at alone to to go out and get some football. <laughs> he is a quality player, and he's going to be a, a proper quality pickup for someone, isn't he, for the season? I think. So. How do you see this season going? Is the big question. I think we've, you know, we talked about the the signings, but the season does get underway on Friday evening against Burnley. How do you see that one going for a start? And how do you see this season going? Friday is very difficult to call because who knows what sort of state Burnley are going to be in. They, it's two they... complete unknown quantities, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. Burnley's have recruited massively. They had to because they lost loads of players. I seriously couldn't tell you what their first eleven looks like or what their best eleven looks like. Conversely, there's an argument that means it might be quite a decent time to play them because, I mean, I think Burnley will do all right this season. So, I, I weirdly, it could be the right time to play them. I, I think on that one... <laughs> I'm kind of hoping first day of the season, Danny Schofield's first time in the dugout, lot of adrenaline, full house. I'm I'm kind of hoping Town rise to the occasion and get something out of that game. Season as a whole, I'm finding it really. Di- I, I I can make as big a case for them to finish sixth as I can for them to finish sixteenth. It's really difficult. Really mm, difficult. I feel the same way. I think whatever happens against Burnley is going to be difficult to draw meaningful conclusions from it about either side just because it reminds me a little bit you know last season they played Derby and Derby the position they were in it was like who knows what you know what they're going to be like this season and the season before that it was Norwich on the opening day and it was like well they're playing the team that everyone expects to be champions come the end of the season so I feel like once again Town have got a game where it's going to be quite difficult to draw meaningful conclusions about how their season is going to go from the opening day and we learned from uh, the Fulham game last season that trying to draw knee-jerk conclusions from the early season games can be fraught with peril in any case so I think it's it's a tough game for both teams because of those sort of those unknown factors both sides have had a lot of squad overhaul both are under new head coaches or new managers um it's a and it's you know the playoff finalists versus a team that's just gone down from the premier league after years in the in the top flight so difficult one the season as a whole i think i agree with you as well that it could almost be anything and i think i feel more positive now now that they've got those bodies through the door and knowing who those players are because I think a few weeks ago you and I were both starting to feel a little bit pessimistic about the transfer window and whether the O'Brien and Toffolo thing might drag on whether the Rudoni thing might drag on um, you know whether they would be able to get that Premier League loan in early which they've now done with Andrew in you know but there, there were a few positions where we were and that left-sided centre-back as well you know which Nakiyama is now sort of filled. So, yeah, it's. I, I think you and I were maybe starting to feel a little bit pessimistic a few weeks ago, or a bit concerned at least that it might go badly. I think now that they've got those players in, I feel a little bit more uplifted. But at the same time, you know, they have lost major players in Toffolo and O'Brien, um, and you don't know how those new players are going to inter- integrate. You know, obviously, Danny Schofield. It's his first season as a as a head coach. Uh, his promotion was was unexpected. Um, 
you know, because of the the nature of Carlos's departure with him quitting sort of unexpectedly. So, yeah, it's. I think it is a, a tough season to call. I think what you and I need to do, and I think we talked about this last time. I, I can understand why fans might be sort of have concerns, and I totally get those concerns. But I think you and I just need to let things breathe a bit at the start of the season, the opening few weeks, and and see how things sort of whether they win the first five games or lose the first five games. I think we're both going to be trying to keep a level head about things, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. They, my my gut feeling is that whatever happens, I'm slightly worried that there's going to be a. a, a I'm slightly worried there's a percentage of fans who are going to think that finishing anything lower than third is failure. And I don't I don't think that's the case. I think last season I think you have to remember it was it was a an overachievement, massive overachievement. And overachievement is not very easy to to replicate. I think Danny Schofield has come in and he's got his own ideas, but you have to remember how short a pre-season he's had with the players as well. So he needs more time, physically needs more time to get his ideas and his methodology over. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's after we've seen sort of a month's worth of Danny Schofield's Huddersfield Town, we may be able to have more of a picture, more of an idea of exactly what that looks like. Because at the moment, I can give you pointers towards the formation and I can have a rough guess of the first 11 on Friday. But in three weeks' time, everything could be different. You know, like you can't replicate football that matters. So, yeah, if you were to ask me to, to like, definitively say something right now I would say they'll be mid-table sort of comfortably but you know could it be worse than that could it be better than that let's as exactly as you said let's have a look after five or six games and see where we are then yeah I think that's it right we'll leave it there I think big game coming up on Friday we'll have all the coverage for that as usual on on examinealive.co.uk the match day blog the pre-match press conference the post-match press conference the uh, five conclusions as well on Saturday morning Uh, excited for the new season Dave are you? Yeah, very excited. I've had enough of this nonsense summer. Yeah, I don't Let's... enjoy doing transfer stuff, but there no, we go. I, <laughs> what I find is I, I find I can structure my week around games. That's mm. what I miss during summer. I'm just I'm just listless in summer. Yeah, I just I just I'm the same. I I want the games. That's that's the bit I want to get my teeth into. So really excited and I think there's there's so much sort of intrigue and so many unknowns about Huddersfield Town. I think you know, we've got a slightly different perspective, but sitting here for me, I'm quite excited going into this season to see how how things change and how things go. Uh, I think whatever happens, they're not going to be a boring side, are they? Um, magic will be back. Go on, Dave. No, I was just when you said magic, I was just going to say rock. Because uh, when I say petty. magic, when I say magic, you say rock. Don't even sponsor us, do they? No, they don't. They sponsor that other lot. Um, I don't drink. Uh, alcohol is evil, and any podcast that accepts alcohol sponsorship <laughs> needs to have a look at themselves. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Dave, any musical tips? Yes, I've spent a lot of this summer revisiting a lot of rap music, specifically from 1996 to 1998. <laughs> I would suggest you all do the same. Any specifics? Oh, all sorts. The, DJ Chubby Jeff. I've, 
I've been going through Wu Tang's complete discography as well, just for about the millionth time. There you go. Uh, I did it last time, but I'm going to say Self Esteem again. Saw her twice at Latitude doing a secret acoustic gig and her main set. Uh, she was brilliant both times, and I won a signed record by screaming the loudest. So take that emotional 20 year old women i beat you to it fantastic we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye